0: The passage I'm about to talk about, preach on, assumes that you are children of God, that we who believe in Christ are children of God. And adopt, we've been adopted as children of God. We didn't start out that way, but when we ca- became Christians, when we came to faith in Christ, we were adopted as, adopted as God's children. And adoption is a long and costly process. And that is true for earth and it is also true for heaven. Adoption costs a great price. And what what the Lord wants when he adopts us is to become our Heavenly Father, not just in word, but in deed, so that we actually abide by His rules and His life and His holiness as we live in His house. Suppose there was a couple who went on a mission trip to Bangladesh and saw a small child, unfed, barely clothed, consistently raped by the tribal elders of that village, being trained to shoot an AK-47 at five years old and ultimately die in fighting for Allah. And this couple grieved because of what they see and for a heart that goes out to this little boy goes through a long and painstaking process uh, to adopt him I don't even know if that's possible, but let's just say. They go through a long and painstaking process to adopt this child. It takes an enormous amount of money, time, prayer, and it comes at a great cost to these parents. Why did they do that? They did that to deliver him out of darkness. They went through that painful purchase and ransom to raise him to be safe, to be fed, to be clothed, to know the living God. They, ra- they want to raise him to become the man of God he could never be if they didn't adopt him. right? That's why they would adopt him. And I want you to see salvation in the very same way that we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not just a status. It's not just not guilty. It's not just forgiven. It's adopted to live as a son in the house of your father and to live according to his life and his holiness and not according to the old ways. So, with that said and with adoption in your sonship in view and your in your daughterhood in view please read with me verses 14 through 21 of chapter 1 as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with parables Or in God. Join me in one more brief prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would speak through me right now. Bless the preaching of your word. Open our hearts to receive it, we pray. Amen. Amen. Peter is talking about holiness in virtue of sonship or daughterhood. It's because you're a child of God, is the reason that you should be holy. It's not holiness to become a child. It's because you've been adopted as a child. That's the reason you should be holy. Holiness means, lest there be any confusion, it means two things, at least, and broadly speaking. It means abstaining from sinfulness and devoting yourself to godliness or godlikeness. Abstaining from sinfulness, worldliness, and striving for godlikeness. That's what holiness is. It's conformity to God and not conformity to the world. All Christians, all Christians are called to be holy. There is not one man, woman, or child here who knows God who is not who does not have a calling on their life. To be holy before him. And that is very serious and it is a very high calling. Peter is going to tell us why. He's going to give us reasons in the passage I just read for why we should be holy. Now we know it's in virtue of sonship. But as we look at the passage, Peter gives us four other reasons why. Why is it that we should be holy? These are very practical, these are very down to earth, and these are very serious reasons for holiness. So let's look at those four reasons together, starting in chapter in verse 14. The first reason for holiness we see is because our sinful desires will kill you from the inside out. And that's why you should be holy. Verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Peter assumes, notice, that your inner desires have the ability to shape you. It's not just, oh, you've done a bad thing. They actually have the ability to mold and shape you from the inside out. You know, we talk about spiritual formation. Everyone is undergoing a spiritual formation. It's just what kind of formation you're going through. What are you being formed into? What are you being conformed into? The passions of your former ignorance refers to those things like sinful desires that come from a godless mind. That's the passions of your former ignorance. Before they were Christians, they lived like pagans and were slaves to their flesh. Don't be conformed to the passions of your godless inclinations, Peter is saying. You know, conform, I always think about tinfoil wrapping around an object. If you wrap tinfoil around a banana, you know what it's going to look like? A banana. If you wrap it around an apple, it's going to look like an apple. So tinfoil conforms; it takes the shape of the thing you wrap it around. Peter is saying, don't wrap your entire being and shape your entire being around the godless inclinations of your soulish flesh. Because then your entire self will take that shape and that form. So, those desires will kill you, and they will shape you from the inside out. Here's what James says, James 1:13 through 13-15. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So don't blame it on God when you fall into sin. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has fully conceived, no, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Did you see the three stages there? So desire conceives death sin and sin brings forth death that's inside out and it starts with your desire it starts with your lusts your passions your godless inclinations that can eventually turn you into a wraith and a hollow person and take take you and mold you into godlessness unspeakable. You know, I always think about it is very, very helpful to distinguish between your will and your desire. If I'm on a diet, I desire to eat ice cream. But I don't will to. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I, I really want the taste of that ice cream, but I don't will to. I don't really, according to the stipulations of my diet, I, I don't will to eat that ice cream, but my desire is very strong. Now, if I am allowing my desire to usurp my will, my, I'm actually going to take the shape of that desire, not only in spirit, but in body, too. My body will actually follow my desire. Dallas Willard talks about this in his book, Renovation of the Heart. He says, Habitual following of desire leads to strengthening the power of that desire over us. In addition, when the will is enslaved to desire, it will turn and enslave the mind. To justify itself in satisfying the desire, the will enlists the intellect to provide rationalizations, frequently so bizarre that they amount to selective insanity. That is where the entanglements of the will with the desire can lead and do lead. So you see what he's saying? Desire enslaves the will. And if you habitually become the kind of person that gives into your desire even though you don't will to, your will will become eroded and weak, and then the desire, after it defeats your will, will seize upon your minds, and provide rationalizations and justifications for why you do something, like, I deserve this, or "It's it's not that harmful after all, everyone's doing this, and eventually, that kind of person leads a life that is so bizarre, And so godless, and if you just look at them, they they have gone miles off course in the Christian life. And then the really scary part is then God gives people over to a debased mind. Once the desire has defeated the will and enlists the mind, then God gives people over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So, if you are sitting in this congregation today and your desire has not utterly defeated your will or your mind yet, and you have not been given over to a debased mind, then praise God. Because while it is called today, do not harden your hearts. As long as there is breath in your lungs, there is always a chance for holiness, rehabilitation, and a life that is pleasing to God and useful to His kingdom. Amen? Amen? So, enslavement to desire will make you a product of your instinct. You know, Peter says in Second Peter, he says, these pagans, like unreasoning animals, justify their actions. It's very interesting that our world today... <coughs> And those movements today justify their lusts based on their desire, or based on instinct, or how they... It's almost, it's almost as if to say that because somebody has a desire, it's just a matter of fact that they should live according to it. That is not a Christian worldview. Your desire does not dictate morality. But for some reason, and that's why Peter says, like unreasoning animals, for an animal, they're they're products of instinct and their desire and they just do. But for us as Christian, as men and women made in the image of God, desire does not dictate ethics. Right? God is the standard and source of ethics. So, you should be holy because the opposite of holiness leads to hell. In this life and the life to come. Reason number two, you should be holy, is because your heavenly Father is holy. Is because once adopted as a child of God, now you live in a holy house. And your heavenly Father is holy. Notice verse 15. That... The basis of holiness is the nature of God himself. Uh, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, since it is written, quoting from the Old Testament, you shall be holy for I am holy. The basis of holiness is the nature of God. So you really want, really want to know what holiness is. If you want an exact definition, if you're kind of that person, I need to know exactly what you're talking about. Holiness is not just to abstain from sin, it is to it is to bring oneself into exact and perfect alignment with the nature and character and mind and truth and holiness of God. Now, Will you ever get there? No. Should you strive to continue to bring yourself into conformity with God? Most certainly, absolutely yes. In fact, you are being conformed into the image of Christ according to his purpose since you've been saved. That's God's will for you. You know what this word sin in Greek means? Who knows? Hamartia, which means to To miss the mark. Who is that? Seven? Seven's a good studier um, To miss the mark. So hamartia Was an archery term that meant to miss the mark. So when I take my bow And I shoot and I miss my target There's a gap between where my arrow landed and where the target was That gap That's sin, figuratively speaking. So any gap in your life, in your thinking, in your character, in your actions, and the truth, the holiness, and the will of God, any gap there is by definition sin. It is to miss the mark. So holiness is to no longer be out of alignment with God, but to bring oneself into perfect conformity with God. This is what Jesus taught. He says, he he raised the standard for the Christian disciple. He says, you must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. So, you're not doing this on your own. This is not a call. Peter's not being unreasonable here, you have the Spirit of God within you. Do you not? You've been given the very life of God. Do we not? And so the call to holiness is simply to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Don't fight the Lord in your life. Now I have seen an evil under the earth. And that is some preachers and Christians using forgiveness and grace like it were a shield against reprimand in the Christian life. It's almost like, well, I've been forgiven, and I know I'm a sinner, but I'm forgiven. We've gone over this before But it's almost like forgiveness for them acts as a shield against any call to a a more devout and holy life. And that is to presume upon God's grace and mercy. So we should not sin because grace should abound, but you've been united with Christ. You've died with Him. You've raised with Him. The Spirit of God is in you. And so holiness is not done by your power. It's done by God's power within you. So don't fight the Lord in your life. And don't use forgiveness as a shield against God's Word to do more work in your life. So, in virtue of your sonship or your daughterhood, You're called to reject the world and sinfulness and to live a life that is in conformity with God. And you should be holy because your Father is holy. Third reason you should be holy is because God is a fair and equitable judge. Verse 17. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Let me read that again. Because sometimes we have we have changed fatherhood as Christians to mean something very squishy and soft. But here's what here's what the apostle here's how he talks about fatherhood. If you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. God is not just your Father. He is the judge who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. So here's the thing. Every person, Christian or not, will appear before God in judgment according to their deeds. Second Corinthians five nine, Paul says this as well. Nine and ten. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Romans fourteen twelve. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You will still stand before God in judgment. Some will hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Some will be saved as yet by fire, just by the skin of their teeth. And some will hear the words, Get away from me, I never knew you. Workers of lawlessness. That's a dangerous place to be to think you're a Christian because you served him, but in fact you were a worker of lawlessness. But you may say to me, as good reformed brethren and sister, you may say to me, but are we not saved by grace? Through faith, Pastor? Have you not read your Bible? Yes, you are saved by grace through faith and I want to say to you that in judgment your life will demonstrate whether you have received the transforming grace of God or not. The fruit of your life will demonstrate whether you have received the grace of God or not. John Fuller talked about this in Bible study in Colossians. He says... He said, the fruit of your life will indicate the root that you are attached to. Right? How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Do you have to take a section of the bark and dissect it and and give it to the, uh, the laboratory for further investigation? The easiest way to know if an apple tree is an apple tree is to see the fruit that that tree is producing. Right? It's not... It's not rocket science. You can tell an apple tree from, an, from a pear tree by the fruit it's producing. And so you can tell a Christian from a non believer by the fruit of their life. So I believe Peter is saying, when he says according to, I forget, I heard someone make this distinction. According to doesn't mean on the basis of, right? You're saved by Christ and his work on your behalf. But according to means consistent with. It means that the fruit of your life is going to reveal whether or not you were abiding in the vine, right? Abide in me, Jesus says. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So it will be your fruit or lack of fruit that will demonstrate and reveal whether or not you are united to the vine. The fruit will reveal the root. And it will be a confirmation or a disconfirmation. Of your union with Christ and whether you actually had faith and whether you were actually united to Christ by grace or not. It is on that basis that Peter says we are to have fear of God the Father. Fear means reverence, acknowledgement that we will give an account It is an extremely dangerous thing to take God lightly. Now you love God, rest in Him. Go to Him as your heavenly Father. But do not confuse those affectionate opportunities as a reason or an opportunity to be indifferent about the holiness and awesomeness and dangerousness of God. Yes, he is your father, but you should also fear him. Go to Matthew 10, if you don't mind. Matthew 10, 26. Hear how Jesus... Sometimes we have... Done strange things to fatherhood in Christendom, and it is unChristlike the way we talk about God. It's almost been feminized. Not that there's nothing wrong with being feminine if you're a woman, but the fatherhood of God has been truncated. So here's how Jesus talks about God the Father, and He brings fatherhood and fear together. In almost the same breath, Matthew ten, verse twenty six. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered on the whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now that's fear. That's because God is dangerous and a just judge. But now, listen to the turn that Jesus takes immediately after. Lest you become overtaken with fear. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them shall fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Interesting. Jesus just told you to fear him who can kill both body and soul in hell. And then he said, fear not. Because your father loves you. There is an appropriate tension, biblical tension, that disciples of Christ should hold. A fear of God as judge and holy, but a trust and a love and a confidence in Him as a Heavenly Father. Good. Fear and Fatherhood. Fourth and final reason that we should be holy is because of the great cost of your salvation verse uh, 18 so conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver and gold but with, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot ransom from the feudal ways Peter says Ransom means purchased. It means bought. Bought out of a life of futility, emptiness, darkness, vanity. Some of you have experienced and lived futile ways, empty ways. And you know how dark it is. You know how empty that is. Vanity. You know that feeling. You were ransomed from those feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Interestingly, he says empty ways inherited from your forefathers. You're not, you're not a product of generational sin. You were bought out of that. He's saying to them. He's, Peter is telling them that whatever pagan, idolatrous lives your fathers were living, you were born out of that by the precious blood of Christ. Don't go back to those things like a dog returns to his vomit. So, he was talking about the, the generational paganism the sexual deviancy, the ungodliness of their parents, their grandparents, and their great-grandparents. Generational sin is the thing you were purchased out of, he's telling them. And you were purchased with what was incomparably precious to God, with the precious blood of Christ. Now, if it costs the Lord... Unspeakable agony, loss, pain, death. How dare a son take that lightly? It was a great cost. And this cost was not something that was just thought up recently, this has taken place since the foundation of the world Peter says, verse 20 he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, for your sake and through him you are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope were in God so Peter calls us to holiness in our life and that should characterize that should characterize your life and the life of this church very briefly what personal consequences come from not being holy spiritual infanthood comes from not being holy and as I've said before as an infant in Christ, you're, st- you're dearly loved. Right? Infants, we love infants. The problem with infants, whether physical or spiritual, is they can't take care of themselves. They can't feed themselves. They live on milk, not solid food, and they're practically useless. So spiritual infanthood is a result of a lack of holiness. Another consequence of a lack of holiness would be loss of assurance. Assurance is not something that is received by justification alone. It is received by holiness, and I know that by experience as well. Holiness feeds faith. Sin feeds doubt. Mark my words. I've lived it and experienced it. Holiness will feed your faith. Sin will feed your doubts and your anxiety. What benefit would come from holiness? A greater manifestation of God's order in your life. And that would be perceivable as you become a better husband and father. And God's presence seems to hover in an assuring way over your life. And great assurance will come from holiness. And most importantly, God the Father will smile upon your life and you will hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. So, Peter, Peter calls you to Holiness. He calls you to a life in conformity with God. And this is all this was the message of Christ and the apostles. Forgiveness is the door. And you, you must enter through Christ and receive forgiveness and grace. That's the door. But now that we've entered the door, we grow up into Christlikeness likeness and holiness. So. Let us strive to be holy in this congregation and in our homes. Let's close in a word of prayer.